Commence primary ignition. Hello there. Well, hello there indeed, and what is up all of you Ugnots and Jawas? Welcome back to yet again another episode of Mando Talk. I'm your host as always, Caleb Keller, and we are back live in the saddle in the uh, Razor Crest Millennium Falcon. We need to come up with a ship name for our podcast, whatever, but DJ's back in the co-pilot, what am I saying? Co-pilot seat. DJ's there. What's up, man? I am in the co-pilot seat. Yeah. No, I'm joined with some new decoration tonight. I have uh, General Grievous himself behind me. Nice. Um, that is the only official pics photo I have that could not leave its frame and into a binder. It's massive. It's huge. It's like, it's math. I mean, it's just huge. So nice. I love, but it's fun. It hangs up in the laundry room at home. So every time I come out of the laundry room, I say, uh, Hello, General, and then move on, you know? <laughs> man, what <laughs> an go. interesting place to have Star Wars hanging, man. It's really not that weird when you you figure out, oh, my wife doesn't do Star Wars as big as I do. <laughs> so you're kind of like, she's like, you can hang it up. Actually, I hung it up in there because it needed to go somewhere, and I sure. knew it wasn't going to hang in, like, the kitchen. So I was like, well, we'll just, or by my bedside. I'm no. like, I'm not going to put it by the bed. You know, it's just weird. I mean, so, hey, Grievous could protect you. In, in your that's sleep. true <laughs> but a, a burglar could come into my home and be like what does this guy have general grievous that's it that's all i need and then, then they just <laughs> then they would just leave it'd be it honestly would be a good burglar deterrent sure yeah because like they just take that i'd be okay if they took it and left i mean right, it'd be okay so i mean anyway there, there could be worse options for sure that is very true for sure <laughs> uh, what's up john hair in the chat hey, john. glad that you could make it and hello to everybody watching with us live watching on the playback listening on podcast platforms we appreciate you checking us out in some form no matter what uh, subscribe wherever you're at it does not matter any anything helps and we greatly appreciate it now we uh last week i made some pretty big announcements and honestly i don't know all of these dates off the top of my head but just know that we got heavy stuff coming as far as obi-wan kenobi coverage star wars celebration coverage so this coming tuesday we are actually back with pre-episode predictions. We're doing yeah. our Obi-Wan Kenobi pre-release predictions this coming Tuesday live at 6 p.m. Central on YouTube. So make sure you are subscribed to that YouTube channel to make sure that you can come and have some fun with us. We're going to get so many things wrong, of course. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's our job. Our job is to get things wrong and then be pleasantly surprised when they deliver what we actually needed. So, Absolutely. so that's... That's what we're here for. Can't wait to do it. Uh, but I mean, we've got a fun show tonight. This was an idea that uh, we kind of discussed amongst ourselves. Like we did a Boba festivities. We did this little series where we got ourselves and our audience ready for the book of Boba Fett. Well, time just kind of ran out. All of a sudden, Obi-Wan Kenobi is here. So we got to fit a Kenobi festivities. I don't know what we want to call it. Essentially, 
essentially there's there's a keyword that's in the title we're going to look at the essential canon yeah or obi-wan kenobi prior to this series releases so we're going to get to that discussion but man did we have some heavy news pieces that came this week so yeah, of course yeah. we got to hit that first now admittedly we probably could spend a ton of time on these news pieces. <laughs> yeah. That could be our entire episode, but we got to make sure that we are mentally prepared for next week's Kenobi premiere. So yes. we did for sure want to make sure that we got that discussion in. So maybe not as much time on these news pieces as we would typically, or as we would like to, but we're still going to share our opinions. You know that. So DJ, yes. are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's get into it, man. Yeah. Our first a uh, thing that we actually need to discuss isn't really even a news piece other no. than happy 23rd and 17th anniversaries to both the Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith. Obviously, for me, the two films that I thoroughly enjoy the most out of the prequels. And I'll also have to say this just because it's been weighing on my heart like crazy lately. Every single time I watch Revenge of the Sith another time, like every time I add to that list, Mm. The more and more I'm like, this is my favorite Star Wars movie, even though I've always said Empire Strikes Back is my number one. Every time I watch Revenge of the Sith, I am blown away. It's a great movie, but both of them are great movies. What do you think of these anniversaries, DJ? Exciting times. I, I put something on my personal uh, Facebook page today about it, and it, it mainly is because the people I want to see this, you know, and I think I may have tweeted about it, too, but. Phantom Menace and, and Revenge of the Sith um, premieres hold a very special place in my heart. Yeah, um, I, it's very possible that Phantom Menace was my first movie theater experience. I mm -hmm. don't, I'm not 100 sure on that. But my dad took me to a midnight premiere. I was four years old, so how I stayed up till midnight <laughs> and then to watch a movie, I have no idea. Yeah, but you know, uh, my grandpa was there for that one too, so it was really cool to experience that with um, both my dad and my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And then you know, fast forward to excuse me, now I can't talk. Revenge of the Sith. You know, 2005. You know, I'm 10 years old. Very formidable time in my life, and. You know, Phantom Menace, you know, holds a special place because I got to see it with my dad and my grandpa. But yeah. Revenge, Revenge of the Sith holds a very special place in my heart because I feel like it taught me a, a very important lesson. That's to, you know, I guess just don't fall into temptation, I guess, is mm -hmm. a good way to look at it. You know, be careful about who you surround yourself with, you know, life lessons. That's what Star Wars is kind of about, according to, well, George Lucas, Dave Filoni, you know. And then, you know, Phantom Menace taught me to dream. And to just have an imagination, it really, it really broadened my imagination. So for me, those two mean a lot to me, you know? So Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love these movies so much. So the fact that it's the anniversary, it's like great. And a uh, side note, I still have my episode three uh, ticket stub. Oh, I was nice. Gonna, That's I was really gonna, cool. I was going to fish it out and bring it, you know, to show tonight, but I, I just kind of forgot and time got away from me. But Caleb, mm -hmm. you know, what about you? You know, I know you said some stuff about Revenge of the Sith, but I don't know if you want to add anything else to that. Yeah. I mean, let's just go ahead. Just let's just celebrate these a little bit more. I mean, let's discuss real quick favorite moment from each film. I know for me, Phantom Menace, as far as like as a child, it was by far the pod racing. 1000%. I was mind blown when I saw that. And then for Revenge of the Sith, it's got to be Kenobi verse uh, Anakin. Like, <laughs> come on. It's that's hard the, not that's to, the battle yeah. that me and my brother Jacob would reenact yeah. each and every single day with our toy lightsabers that uh, yeah. somehow didn't break our fingers. But anyway, yeah, th those are my favorite two moments from each film. What about you? 
my favorite from Phantom Menace is uh, just all of Darth Maul. Yeah, um, sure. Because when I, I mean, when I was a kid, I was like, you have no fear when you're little, you know, and you think mm. you can jump, you know, 20 feet in the air and do flips and you kind of look stupid, you know, because you're just flailing about because you have no skill. Yeah. <laughs> but I just wanted to be I wanted to be Darth Maul when I was little, not not the evil side, just the uh, just the acrobatic side. I just thought mm-hmm. that was awesome. Of course, then there's you and, you know, doing his Obi-Wan thing, too. So, yeah, that's for Phantom Menace. Revenge of the Sith's kind of hard to choose. Um, my favorite part changes every time I watch that movie, I feel like mm-hmm. um, it's hard not to say the Annie Obi duel. Um, but I think now, gosh, man, I should have thought more about this because I wrote this out in the notes, (laughs) but I, I, I did get down, you know, I've watched it obviously in preparation. So some of my favorite stuff in the movie, just because I can't think of one thing right now is R2D2 while they're rescuing the chancellor. He's just funny. Like all of the good, all of those good good comedic bits are there and it it kind of, yes, it is. It is good soup. (laughs) So it lightens the, the tension of revenge of the Sith quite a bit. Yeah, of course, by the time R2-D2 is kind of done goofing around, you know, um, you get to uh, well, actually, that's not true. You know, I was thinking that Dooku dies after R2's goofed around, but no, R2-D2 goofs around even after Dooku's died. So, yeah, there's just a lot of good uh, lightheartedness there in those scenes. So I think that's why my that's my favorite one there uh, from Revenge of the Sith and also Phantom Menace, like like we said. So, yeah, can't blame you on that one. OK, favorite memory involving either film uh, for me. It's more so like an ongoing memory. Me and my brother Jacob, every time we're around each other, mm. we're quoting Revenge of the Sith nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Revenge of the Sith is by far the most quotable Star Wars project out there, at least in, in our family. Because like I said, we're quoting it left and right. Somehow we get quotes from that film in any kind of conversation. I love it. I love hanging out with Jacob talking about revenge of the sith because it was it probably was i mean yeah attack of the clones and phantom menace came out when we were kids yeah revenge of the sith is the film that we like it the first star wars that we fully remembered and understood what we were watching yes so i i would say it's an ongoing memory just us sharing our love for that movie yeah i'm responding to roll farm boy down in the chat so hello to you first of all sir but he was reminding me that revenge of the sith star wars celebration in three years for the 20th so yes i do plan on being there for that one but um for me i think a a favorite memory involving revenge of the sith specifically is it became a bit of a tradition for me personally and this is actually has nothing really to do with the movie but uh we stopped at taco bell before we went to see revenge of the sith Mm -hmm. and we ate tacos while sure. waiting to get into the movie in a line naturally so when force awakens came out i had taco bell before i went to see the movie nice and so i've tried to keep my pre-star wars viewing for the first time you know at least in a cinema you know yeah i've yeah, always yeah. tried to go to taco bell before just to kind of keep the tradition going i just there's something fun to me about yeah. that and you know, about halfway through the movie, you're kind of like, why did I go to Taco Bell? <laughs> oh, I mean, you feel that way anytime you go to Taco Bell. Yeah, I mean, Bell, absolutely. But, but I mean, you know, I, I'm ahead, fully yeah. prepared to end this stream and go to Taco Bell right now, if I'm being quite honest. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> I was just playing. Never... <laughs> just playing. We got to talk Star Wars, man. Yeah. It's, it's so 
It's, it's, well, yeah, we have to talk Star Wars, of course, you know, but that that's too it, much going on. There's it too is much too going much on. going on, and it's too much to leave to go get Taco Bell. But there you go. That's a very odd, but one of my favorite memories about Revenge of the Sith is getting Taco Bell. There you go. Can't blame you. Well, listen, two incredible films that mean a lot to us, and I'm sure, again, if you're listening to us, they probably mean a lot to you. So tell you what, drop your favorite Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith uh, memories scenes anything about those anything. films yeah. let us know in the live chat in the comments discord check out discord link yes. is in the description all right let's oh, get into we got one though already oh DJ. we do okay what do, what do we got dj john Hare says about revenge of the sith he loves the tension and emotion of the scene where anakin is in the council room about to turn to the dark side oh yeah that's a good one so there's nothing there's a great scene because it shows the weight you know that anakin Mm -hmm. is he's trying to balance things out here quite figuratively and literally clone wars adds i feel like clone Wars season seven adds a lot and season five i guess when ahsoka leaves for sure that adds a lot to that moment it does Um, does. but i never liked the the lady singing in that scene the background vocalist that uh, john williams has in there it's it's that real high pitch. And mm-hmm. when I would play like Star Wars Battlefront 2 back in the day, like the original one, that mm-hmm. song would just randomly play. And you're like, I'm trying to shoot clones. Why is this horrible <laughs> song? One one's opinion. But, you know, that's John Hare's favorite memory. Nothing wrong with it at all, except, in my opinion, the lady singing. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Let, keep those coming, though. I would love to read those. And we'll say them on the show. All right news let's get into it this vanity fair article that completely and entirely and rightfully so broke the internet was phenomenal so i'm just going to run through a few things to note number one ahsoka is announced to be releasing in 2023 number two andor is set to premiere in late summer of 2022 so i'm assuming that's coming pretty soon and then the mandalorian returns in either that they couldn't really commit in either late 2022 or early 2023. So we'll we'll stop there. Those are the three that we know for sure. I'm assuming they've got a release date on target uh, behind the scenes. Maybe they're just waiting until next week at Celebration to announce those release dates. But not any nothing really shocking here other than them using the phrase late summer of 2022 for Andor. That would make sense because that definitely would wrap that show up prior to the Mandalorian season three. But DJ, what do you think of just this three piece announcement there? That that right there is just it's like a three piece suit. It's fancy. It looks good. It's exciting. That's what a three piece suit is supposed to do. You know, that's how this looks like to me. Uh, Ahsoka coming next year, you know, they didn't say what time of year, but we know it's coming. So it's like, Hey, if it drops new year's day, cool. It won't, but if it does cool. Um, I, the thing I think about Andor, they didn't really give a solid date on it. Yeah. You know, part of me wants to think that it may have something in Kenobi could potentially connect to Andor hmm. in a way, but that's a, that's a big gap. You know, that's about from from where Andor is supposed to take place, I think they've committed to four seasons is what yeah. they've said. So uh, that means that Luke and Leia have to be about 15 years old whenever Andor begins. So you just do some quick math and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we've got to jump at least five years into the future if something at the end of Kenobi 
stretches into Andor. So we've got to have yeah. a time jump. I doubt that they'll do that. Mm-hmm. I could see them maybe trying to figure a way to do that. But at this point, I just, you know, that's probably too much work there. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that it's all great. Of course, hello, we're Mando Talk, you know. Let's get it. <laughs> Mandalorian's coming this year or sometime early next year. And mm-hmm. I like that there's no commitment there. It gives me something to look forward to. Yeah. You know, oh, that, no doubt. I really love that. So that's kind of my overall thoughts uh, yeah. on those three. No, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll keep moving on here, but I also feel like we need to do this. Let's pause for a second. Cause I just realized, you know, up on YouTube, we got this image. Uh, I never thought in the, in my wildest dreams that I would see these four characters. No. Yeah. Side by side by side. And also another no. thing, Pedro, keep the mustache for Din Djarin. I know you got that going on for whatever his name is for the last of us. Probably they probably called you in when you were busy portraying yeah. that character, but keep that stash, man. You rocking it. Keep bringing it. I do. I do like the Din Djarin stash. Yeah, we. I, I can't wait to see a bunch of cosplayers go helmetless with the oh. Din Djarin stash. You know, that'd be kind of neat. It'd be great. I really like it, but I, I, I can't really get over seeing. Oh, absolutely. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah, I can't really get over seeing live action Kenobi next to live action Ahsoka, though. Like, yes, you know, correct. Hayden yes. isn't in this picture. and I think they may have did that, done that on purpose. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. It's really still neat. Because he see. still talked to them. He was still in it, the in the article. Exactly. And he's yeah. in these pictures, mm-hmm. you know, that they released. So it's not like he wasn't there. You know, Vader was there and they may have had him in the Vader costume. I don't know if it's him in that costume. I can only imagine it is. Yeah. But to think of Kenobi and Ahsoka and Anakin all being next to each other, that would have been, you know, the Clone Wars fans would have gone nuts for that three that three yeah. piece image that's a now, three piece suit right there <laughs> i mean me just coming off of this kenobi rewatch which again we're going to get to we're going to get to yeah. that discussion uh, rosario dawson is there on set uh, on the same day i mean why not go ahead and shoot a scene flashback scene with hayden and and, and ewan and and rosario as those three like they're all there it's hard to get that talent all together at one time just go ahead and make it happen. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. If no, they I wouldn't it be either. In some form, and they just need to decide if it goes for the Ahsoka series or something else. I don't know. To me, it it works on two levels. You know, you could do you could do a couple scenes for Ahsoka. You could do a couple scenes for Kenobi. And yeah. and let's not forget, Ahsoka is to a certain degree involved in the rebellion at the time of Andor. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she could connect to all three of these shows when you 100%. look think of it. I hadn't even considered that until now. So that would be yeah. exciting if they did that, uh, to say the least. <laughs> we shall see. We yeah. shall see. The only thing that makes me think maybe not is because Ewan had his haircut like after Kenobi had already been shooting. Like he yeah. no longer had the Kenobi hair during this little photo shoot, but mm-hmm. we could have easily kept the hood on. But anyway, you know, anyway, that, you know, I, that we had you to and, pause and, and acknowledge just the presence of those four being yeah. together. Plus Hayden. Well, you know that you and wore a wig on Phantom Menace and uh, Attack of the Clones, right? I didn't know he did for Phantom Menace. You can tell in some scenes where it's like his hair doesn't look the same, like when, from one shot to the next and a few. Yeah. Also, you can tell the same thing with Finn in Force Awakens, but I, that's neither here nor there. I'm just pointing that out that you could put a wig on the guy and call it a day. 
That is true. That is yeah. true. You could. All right, let's keep going with the reveals inside this Vanity Fair article. The next one, we've got the Acolyte. The Acolyte is fully written and is in casting phase. Leslie Headland confirmed the series takes place roughly around 100 years before The Phantom Menace, so we could easily see direct connections from this series mm -hmm. to the Skywalker saga. And I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. we don't get those kind of connections because I know Leslie in the past has continually asked her questions that inspired this show was, well, how did the Jedi get this way? How, how does the council yeah. set up this way? What's the political landscape to where it got to this point? So that's obviously going to directly tie into Phantom Menace prequels, Skywalker saga. So what do you think of, of just this information regarding the acolyte i mean it's it's nice information this is one of those projects that it's kind of weird to say this it's something i don't really care about right now okay um because we got so much so many other things to focus on or just because it's not peaking your interest i don't know if it's peaking my interest the way it's supposed to like for instance this is in the high republic era i've read a book and a half of the high republic and it's good storytelling it's just mm. I don't know if I'm gravitating towards it like other fans might. Sure. And now when it comes out, I'll be like, oh, my gosh, it's the Acolyte. Yeah. I got I to get up early and watch it. You know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to hopefully I'm going to enjoy it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as of right now, it's just nice knowing, OK, it's it's done ish, you know, and mm -hmm. we've got a we've got a timeline. You know, I already knew the timeline. So this is not new information to me, but it was nice to know, like, OK, it's written now. Just go. You know, yeah. it's kind of for me, I'm just like, just get in the car and, and, and go. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no, I feel that. I think that's a good place to be in. All right. This next one, I got to admit, I'm pretty excited for this. A series codenamed Grammar Rodeo is being produced and directed by John Watts, uh, which, of course, John Watts is best known for his directing in the Spider-Man Homecoming trilogy. He did mm -hmm. Homecoming, Far From Home and No Way Home, uh, but also Christopher Ford will also be a producer, which I believe I read that Christopher Ford was a producer for Homecoming, but not the other Spider-Man film. So they've worked together. Um, so here's the information we know regarding this series. It's set after Return of the Jedi, which for me makes me believe it could naturally connect to this little Mandoverse idea that they've got going on. Uh, they are looking to cast children in the ages of 11 to 12 years old, and it's described as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure. Those last two things, stoked. That's what has me more excited than seeing that John Watts is directing it or producing it it's more so just this idea of a story that is completely different than anything we've seen before with them focusing in on this this age frame 11 12 13 somewhere in there and it's going to be coming of age that's extremely exciting it's going to be i think a, something that connects to people that makes them more star wars fans which is at the end of the day something that we've always said is, is something that this franchise needs so mm, i yeah. love i could talk about this all night long clearly i'm rambling but i, I love this little information what do you think of this codename oh. grammar rodeo series i mean i was enjoying listening to your rambling honestly <laughs> um personally i think you know i could listen to that for a while but no i'm gonna be honest with you you know i had to kind of think about this because if part of me is like i I think I'm a little bit like Acolyte where I'm like, I just don't know if I can be excited for it yet. 
Yeah. And that, I think it's a little bit to do with the fact that it's new territory and maybe that just scares me because, you know, don't, you don't, not everybody likes change, but you're right. I think it will connect to the Mando verse in a form or another. Mm-hmm. My, my, my hope is I read this and I think it's going to be like a Jedi thing, but there's no evidence that says it's a Jedi thing. It could very much be a bunch of Ezra Bridgers doing Ezra Bridger stuff before he becomes a Jedi. You know, it could yeah. be something like that. But when I hear coming of age adventure via like the Amblin, you know, and for those who may not know Amblin entertainment, that's, that's Steven Spielberg's, you know, production company. Now they're not producing this. They're just in the vein of certain shows like, um, not shows, but movies like Goonies. I would even throw hook in there. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, if you're going to tell me a story that's like hook, I'm in. Yeah. You know, so, but I need to see something. You know, I need I need a little image or a tease or, or even a little bit of a leak, yeah. you know, and, and if I get a small little like this is what they're doing. I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll know whether or not I'm in or not. But mm-hmm. as of right now, if this description is great, I just I'd like a name and then I'd also like more information, I sure. guess, for, is where I'm at. Absolutely. Well, I mean, of course, there's celebration next week. I don't expect more information That's true. regarding. I keep forgetting this about that. I know, man. There's so much going on. I don't expect more information on this one, to be honest. But I mean, they they could maybe give an official title at least. I but, would hope so. But we'll see. It yeah. is side note here. Geekverse reactions kind of thought here for a second. I love the fact that because recently John Watts, it was announced that he needed a break and he was no longer directing Fantastic Four, the MCU's version of Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, he's putting all of his attention and focus Star on Wars, this series, baby. which gets me. I'll take that. And take that to the bank. That means he cares a lot about yeah. the product that he's delivering here. He's given up a lot of money, I'm assuming, by not directing that Fantastic Four. It's Star film. Wars, man. I'd give That's up a lot of money to do Star Wars. Wars. Is. I agree. I would give up a big chunk of change for Star Wars. Be real oh. And I have plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they could pay me $100 and I would I would. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, before we move forward, let's revisit the chat real quick. Yeah. John Hare comes back at me with uh, the lady singing. He says, That's, that makes the scene for me. Hey, you know what? You've made our music here. You're a musician at heart. I can understand why it makes the scene for you. And for that so, reason, I'm going to lean toward John Hare's... Uh, point of view you probably should honestly <laughs> he has a very good pov um and then rural farm boy says feels to me in my opinion mando season three maybe february tw- of 2023 as they started uh post-production a month and a half ago and he's mm. not wrong about that so yeah it could be a january february release i would hope early january or maybe like a valentine's day thing that could be a fun promotional thing return to the love you know <laughs> something like that i don't know that would be great John Harris says reading Plagueis has definitely got me interested in Acolyte. I had to put Plagueis down a while back and I never picked it back up. Yeah. So I was in the same line of thinking as him. Whenever mm-hmm. I was reading Plagueis, I was like, this is getting me pumped for Acolyte. And I need, maybe I need to re, re go back and just restart Plagueis to kind of kickstart my heart, if you will, back into uh, getting ready for Acolyte. So there you go. Um, uh, let me see what else we got here. Um, just some, we've just got some good discussion going on in the chat. So if you're watching the playback, I would just suggest y'all go in here and check this out. Oh, here's blue harvest bricks. He says, I'm excited. (laughs) Good to see you, brother. He says, I'm excited by all star Wars projects, but like DJ says, until we know more, it's hard to get overexcited. That's where I'm at. But the only project to date that I've been genuinely overexcited for Uh the whole way through from announcement to 
birth has been Kenobi. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, and to segue back into the rest of our news, I'm going to hand it back over to Caleb so we can get to Kenobi because we've yeah. got to get to this stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, the next thing in Vanity Fair, Kathleen Kennedy is under the belief that recasting younger actors to play legacy characters is something, quote unquote, abundantly clear can't be done now this was in response i guess they were discussing solo and, and alden's yeah. portrayal and things like that now of course this led to some debate online shocker can't believe it's still, it still being Sarcast debated i'm yeah. saying that sarcastically for sure mm. uh it, it's yeah it's definitely going on still um dj is there anything you want to add to that because i know i know that you're big time in like give us yeah. solo too for me i I understand. I, I really highly doubt. Actually, I'm, I'm going to say I know for a fact, probably, if I had to guess, we're not getting it. So I, I'm not surprised by this at all. Her no, yeah, it. that, yeah. But what were your thoughts when you well, read this quote? I think that she's right in the sense of business. Like, yeah. I understand why she wouldn't want to recast going further. But the good thing is, is that you have an option with Alden. Yeah, absolutely. And because he's there, he at one point was signed for three films, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of just, a, I know, a contractual thing. And you can you can you know pay those out or opt out of them later. It's not a big deal. Those things are negotiable. But um, I think on the other hand, the things, though, she could be wrong. There mm -hmm. are certain characters you can recast at a certain age. Correct. Yeah. Luke Skywalker and Kenobi. There's one thing there, you know. Um, and maybe even Leia, if those rumors are true. So, yeah, there's options in this, you know, but uh, at the same time, it's it's kind of like 50-50 for me. Yes, you're right yeah. in one sense, no, and you're wrong in another sense, I think, but I'm holding on to this hope with Alden specifically because Kenobi takes place 10 years after A New Hope, and Solo takes place nine, I mean, I'm sorry, Revenge of the Sith, and Solo takes place nine years after Revenge of the Sith. So we've only got a year's difference here in time. So you could very, I mean, in my head, it's like, just put Alden in the background. Ewan McGregor's not Alec Guinness. You know, you don't really see anybody making that, you know, uh, distinction a whole lot. So for me, it's like, you know what? Ewan is Obi-Wan. Alden is also Han Solo. Put them in the same project would be really cool. So I'm holding out the hope for that. Now, mm. if it doesn't happen, I won't be upset. I would just think it'd be a neat little, you know, hey, Let's throw Alden a bone and see what happens. Yeah. No, I I definitely still would say it's over 50% that Alden's coming back as Han in some form. Yeah. I just would expect it to just be like a one episode kind of thing in a series or just a couple of scenes in, in a film. Nothing that, that he's the lead, though. And I think maybe that's more so what Kathleen Kennedy meant as in – they're not going to focus projects on a like a not when I say solo, I don't mean the character of solo, but they're not going to focus projects on a solo individual character. Sure. On a complete recast of an original trilogy. Yes. Character. If I just made any sense, just then. no. Yeah, I think you, you do make perfect sense to further your point, though, with that Blue, Blue Harvest Bricks is over here and he says, I think it's a problem that Lucasfilm thinks solo was a bad film just because it didn't do well at the box office. By the way, that's even a weird phrase in and of itself. Not, I'm not harping on Blue Harvest Bricks here. I'm just saying mm -hmm. it did do well. It made more money than your average, you know, summer, you know, hit, you know. I mean, $325 million? I mean, that's a lot of money. I, it's, not, it's not Force I mean, it's Awakens not, money. It's, it's not Star Wars money. And they, 
they lost money with the film. So that's why. But it was I still a, a I still place blame on the production side of things. With oh, that. for sure. hundred percent. And they rushed it. I'm sorry. They rushed it. They it yeah. didn't it didn't release at Christmas time when it should have. Give those mm-hmm. folks an extra six months. You got a banger. I'm just Probably. I'm being I'm just being honest. I could talk about that for a while, but well, I'm not. I'm not I don't yeah. want to. But we could have that discussion for a minute for sure. Uh, RFB just in the chat said, "Hold up, what Leia rumors? I think we're talking about Leia as a younger in Kenobi. Yeah, in Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Those rumors of that." younger character yes, being yes. recast sorry about that my bad my bad. yeah no you're good you're good okay yeah we could definitely talk about that for a hot minute but overall us here we would love to see a solo too don't think we're ever going to we also i think more so just want to see alden come back as han solo yes <laughs> and i still think that that chance is there i really do um we'll just have i think patience patience mm. and it might happen we'll see We'll see, especially after this, especially after all of this. Okay, <laughs> next up from the Vanity Fair article, we're still on that thing. Ryan Johnson's trilogy is remaining on the back burner. Can't say I'm surprised by that at all. Uh, Rogue Squadron is also on the back burner, and Taika's movie is expected to be the next Star Wars film. Uh, there all seem to be the biggest things coming out uh, as far as those as the films go. Those three things, Ryan Johnson's trilogy on the back burner, Rogue Squadron on the back burner, Taika's movie is expected to be the next film. I don't really have anything to add to those three things other than I'm not really surprised that Taika's movie is the next one based off of these behind the scene rumors issues that we've heard about Rogue Squadron. Yeah, I mean, I'm I feel like I feel like Rogue Squadron did me dirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they hyped it up with Patty Jenkins is, you know, talking about her dad being a Mm -hmm. fighter pilot and her walking out to the X wing. And, and that had me so hyped. And yeah. And I just, now they're like, and by the way, we're kind of not worrying about it. I'm like, thanks a lot guys. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like I I was really excited. Like, you know how, like when you, I'm going to be kind of childish here real quick. You, You get a new girlfriend when like you're in middle school. And then like three days go by and she's like, nah, break, we're breaking up. What the yeah. heck? What was all this about? You know, I kind of feel like that, you know, in a, in a kind of a weird way. Um, I don't really care about Ryan Johnson's trilogy, not because I dislike him as a director or because I dislike The Last Jedi. I just don't care. I could talk about that for a hot minute. I too. bet we could. I mean, we Goodness. could. Honestly, we when we get into like an off season, we should maybe revisit and, this and then like really <laughs> knock them all out in their own episodes. But yeah. Now, Taika being the next one, great. I want to yes. see more Taika. And if he's not doing Mando, then put him on, you know, a big film. And I mm-hmm. think that'll that'll go over really well. I hope that that's the case. And it look if Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy's saying it, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> I'm good with it. And I back that up all day. I think that's great, great stuff there yeah. for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, that wraps up the Vanity Fair article man a ton of heavy hitters and if yeah. that's just a tease of what celebration is going to be like next weekend <laughs> watch out because yeah. my mind is going to be blown for sure <laughs> i keep I, i've already forgotten multiple times that star wars celebration is next week i know man kenobi is essentially a week away like if you want to stay up super late I just, like we're here i we're can't here. <laughs> i feel like if i start doing what my mind wants me to do when we talk about kenobi being a week away yeah I'm it, it's going to be like a, a call. Someone's going to call the cops. and think someone's been murdered because I'm going to be screaming so much. Sure. 
Because I just want to hoop and holler so, so much. By yeah. the way, for those of you who aren't from Texas, um, hoop and holler means when you go, Woo! <laughs> that's hooping and hollering. Okay. And then you may, <laughs> or may, you may or may not add in a yee yee or a yee haw in there somewhere. Okay. That's hooping and hollering. So I got anyway. you, man. I, I know you, you do. I know you do. I'm talking to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. man well listen let's get into we were t- talking about obi-wan kenobi we got an obi-wan kenobi exclusive behind the scenes sizzle reel from ign now i think they've also put this on star wars their youtube channel now i think ign oh, I just maybe had like the first 24 hours as far as oh. exclusivity I, I can't talk tonight i can't talk yeah ign got it exclusively first <laughs> but now i think it's everywhere but anyway I haven't watched this, so of course. Oh, I forgot you hadn't watched it. We, how we do it here at Mando Talk, we watch the thing with you. So I've got this video pulled up. It's a minute and 37 seconds long. Uh, DJ knows what's in it. I have no clue. I hope I'm pleasantly surprised, but we're going to watch it all together. DJ, are you ready to uh, hit play? Yes, it's very much heavy on the nostalgia. Okay, okay. so. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right, we're going to punch it in. Well, hold on. When I say punch it, that's when we click play, it, correct? Yes, okay. on it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Punch it. That, that, uh, that was good soup, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> wow. Um. Wow. I mean, the the uh, little musical cues, too, that they had in there, man, they were you. You were right. Heavy I think nostalgia, John, John Hare's sure. John Hare's Jedi Council lady showed back up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, <laughs> she's back. Oh, she's back. <laughs> no, that was great. Uh, now, you were the one that prepped these notes. So why don't you go ahead and ask kind of the questions that you thought of while you saw this sizzle reel. sure because yeah again this is the first time i saw it first of all initial reaction okay fantastic super cool uh got me in the fills got me even more so excited about kenobi if i wasn't on camera probably would have shed maybe a tear or two and also probably would have uh hooped and hollered absolutely <laughs> there's a lot of hooping and hollering going on in my heart always for yeah. <laughs> specifically phantom menace but this right here was just like God, thank thank you thank you so much star wars like just what's great about Kenobi is that they're really pulling on the nostalgia strings. And I love that. Yeah, they are. So my first thing, you know, I watched it a couple times the other day. I think today was like my second or third time watching. I'll go ahead and say third time just now. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I noticed were the musical themes in it. Like you mentioned, I I think that there's hints of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi theme in there. I really Um, hope because that sounded great. Well, when I think about the ending of this video, it has that harp string you know, flutter, I'll call it, because I don't mm-hmm. know the musical term. That's the same little harp string flutter that we hear the first time Obi-Wan takes his hood off in A New Hope. So mm. it's, to me, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe that's the note, you know? So come back here if, you know, when we're done, and you can be like, oh, yep, Mando Talk had it first, you know, if that <laughs> ends up being the case. But I keep waiting and hoping that they release that theme a little early ahead of the show, but they yeah. probably won't. But anyway, what do you think that there were hints there uh, in um, in the trailer, uh, maybe a potential Obi-Wan theme? I'm, I would certainly like to believe so. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because if so, that's a very emotional kind of theme that you could definitely see kind of being like the portrayal of this, kenobi iteration that we're getting during this time frame so 
if that is, then yeah, I I'm all for it for sure. All right. Well, that's great. And you guys let us know how you think about not just the music, but the whole thing in the chat. We'll come back again. And oh, Rural Farm Boy hits us with a Casablanca reference saying, play it again, Sam. Play it again, Sam. I mean, if we had the time, I bet we would. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. 100%. I love me a good Casablanca reference. Good stuff, man. Um, I got to go watch Casablanca. Thanks a lot, R. And I got to go get Taco Bell. That's true. <laughs> hey, you know what? More nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the, the next and, and the final thing about the IGN video. Looking back on the Phantom Menace as today is the its anniversary, what is it like seeing younger you in rehearsing lightsaber fights mixed in with you in today, mixed in with shots of Sir Alec Guinness? Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Now, seeing Ewan younger, that was what really got me in the nostalgia vibes. Uh, right. That was remarkable, the way they mixed that in there fantastic stuff i'm the same way man and and i think again this is one of those things we could talk about for a while but yeah. for the sake of time I'll, I'll go ahead and pass it back to caleb the pilot here tonight in our we need to come up with a help bando talk figure out a spaceship name drop it for real anything but the silver angel all right um <laughs> or the enterprise <laughs> oh gosh if it's star trek get out <laughs> all right losers anyway sorry you're not losers <laughs> all right last last news piece Last news piece, Cal Kestis, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but Cal Kestis expected as the lead protagonist in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Source on this is Jeff Grubb, which, of course, is the source that revealed the title. So I'm just going to assume this is truth at this point. Yeah. Uh, and why not? Why would it not be Cal Kestis? So, DJ, first of all, because you weren't here last week, what are your thoughts on the title of Survivor? And what are your thoughts on Cal Kestis being the lead protagonist again? I can hear, I can hear the TV show theme Survivor playing in the back of my head. No, honestly, yeah. I think it's a perfect name. I really do. Mm -hmm. You know, the order's gone and he survived his attack from Darth Vader, which means we're going to get some more Inquisitor action and maybe a little more Vader action. Um, so I'm all good with that. I think it's perfect. You know, I think it's a good name. And if it's not Cal Kestis, uh, I send it back. So I think it's a perfect, perfect way to go about it for sure. Josiah says rude. Josiah, if we said something that was rude, I apologize. <laughs> oh, rude, because Josiah um, is a member of a little Facebook group I run called Rebel Alliance Theological Seminary. Uh -huh. And he is also a Star Trek fan. So, oh, I see. Uh, I yeah. See. So, well, get okay. over it. <laughs> Go make a meme about it and come back. <laughs> I see now. I'm following. I'm following. Yeah. All right. Little well, inside I mean, there. There's the, there's the news. Uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, but yeah. we have even more stuff, good stuff, good soup to get Absolutely. to. We have to discuss this essential canon list that we kind of took the time to create ourselves. And boy, oh boy, was it difficult trying to get through this entire list before this show. Uh, DJ, why don't you take it away? Uh, must see canon for Kenobi. All right. So. Here's the emphasis we're putting on in our rewatch of the must-see Kenobi uh, canon. So we're really looking at Obi-Wan and Anakin's journey from Phantom Menace all the way through to A New Hope. Okay, that was my uh, – Caleb hit me up and goes, how are we doing this? I was like, well, this is how I'm looking at it. And he goes, I'm going to do the same. And I hope he did because I just announced it. But also, <laughs> I, I know I know you did, and that's me just kind of being a little coy. But, you know, what we're really doing even further than that, though, is we want to be as specific as we can be about these two characters when we are focusing on their journeys, not just um, as the team that is Anakin and Obi-Wan, but individually as well. 
So um, that's kind of where we're at. And we're going to go in a, a chronological timeline order of events of things that have happened that stuck out to us from um, the, you know, the list that we put out on Twitter and the one that you can also see now on YouTube. Okay. Um, and I believe Twitter may be the only place we posted that. So I don't know if it made it to Instagram or Facebook. So if you have not followed Mando talk on Twitter, now's your time to do so and go check out our essentials list there. Um, our must see Canon or Kenobi Canon, if you will. So we're going to start with Phantom Menace and we're going to work our way down this list. Okay. So I have very, I have, I kept my thoughts to a minimum and that's on purpose because there is so much. So a lot of this tonight is going to be me handing things back over to Caleb to hear his thoughts. Um, uh oh. Yeah, I know. Um, you knew that. Uh, <laughs> don't let it, don't, don't let y'all be fooled by Caleb. He knows. All right. So, um, feel free to just chat along with us as we're going and, um, you know, we'll go from there. World Farm Boy also gave us a uh, name for a Uh-oh, ship. What's he got? He, he said the just the Mythosaur skull. It's not bad. I, I feel like we got to have something, you know, like Millennium Falcon, Razor got, Crest. Like when you, know? you hear it. Yeah, it's got to just click, you know? Yeah. You know? So until we get to that point, Mythosaur Skull's but, good. But keep but firing them away, you know? Come on with them, yeah. <laughs> so let's jump into the first piece of real canon we have in Star Wars, that being the Phantom Menace. First of all, happy anniversary again. But more than anything, I'm gonna, I have one sentence okay. about Phantom Menace. I'll I'll go first and I'll hand it over to you and we can go we can discuss and and all that good stuff but absolutely I'm anxious to hear what Caleb has to say on this so for me I got to watch the whole film sat mm-hmm. down and watched Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones in one day by the way that's a fun time okay yeah <laughs> highly recommend that um, but here's what I got from Phantom Menace Kenobi okay. views Anakin as quote a pathetic life form and seems to take on Anakin as his Padawan reluctantly, uh-huh. but also, you know, to fulfill, you know, his, his promise to his master well, on his literal, like, you know, he's dying. So obviously it's a big deal. Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen Phantom Menace. Um, that's kind of my biggest takeaway is that Kenobi kind of doesn't seem like he really wants to. And maybe by the time you get to Attack of the Clones, he's cool with it. But like initially, yeah. you know, he's thrust from being an apprentice into being a master mm-hmm. almost immediately. So it's like, I yeah. just, I just don't think he really wanted to. Man, okay. Well, I have a little bit of a different interpretation. Okay. I agree with you. Yeah. That, yes, he was very... I mean, he didn't even want Anakin to come along with him. Like, he didn't want mm-hmm. Anakin to be Qui-Gon's pad, new Padawan. No, of course not. like that. Yeah. But I got the vibes that at the very end, you know, when he's having that discussion with Yoda, I mm-hmm. felt like at the end of The Phantom Menace, the film ultimately displayed some growth in obi-wan play eventually wanting to desiring to place his full trust and hope into anakin because of that promise that he made with qui-gon as he was dying in his arms okay i think that was the motive behind obi-wan then being like okay this is my responsibility this is what my father-like figure whatever you want to call qui-gon essentially master told me to do i'm gonna honor that if he believed and trusted in anakin i'm gonna believe and and trust in anakin and so therefore i'm gonna go have this conversation with yoda which takes a lot of uh hyping yourself up i'm assuming at that age obi-wan's he's 25 right in phantom menace yeah and yoda's this established jedi master i mean i would be a little intimidated going up to him and say no 
he's my Padawan. I, I'm going to honor what Qui-Gon said. So I think ultimately, as far as Obi-Wan Kenobi goes, Phantom Menace displays his growth in seeing what Qui-Gon saw in Anakin. Wow. Well, that takes my, po- my point and really emphasizes it, I feel like, because it shows Kenobi's growth, like you said. Yeah. So I think, man, that's that's good stuff. And I think that's the point behind Phantom Menace, though, with Obi-Wan mm-hmm. specifically. Um, yeah. And, of course, with Anakin, you know, it's kind of funny to think because neither one of them are the main characters in Phantom Menace. You know, Qui-Gon is. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of neat to think about how he plays that role there, too, like you kind of alluded to. Well, I love that. You know, let us know um, what you think about um, what we've said so far in um, our Phantom Menace discussion here, okay? So we're going to jump into Attack of the Clones now. Again, remember, and a quick reminder, we are focusing on Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan's relationship as they are going to be kind of the big focus in the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, show. So here's my quick little take on uh, Attack of the Clones. Okay, Kenobi, although as I did not I did actually acknowledge the fact that he is more mature, believe it or not, mm-hmm. but Kenobi, although more mature, seems to be unsure of himself and Anakin. Anakin's time on Tatooine, searching for his mother, killing the Tusken Raiders, and the remorse he shows because of it all leads him in his first real steps towards the dark side. Now, you see Kenobi's growth in that, but there's also, you know, Anakin calls him like his father, you know, before they go into the bar in Coruscant. But to me, I never looked at them as father and son. Mm -hmm. I have taken, well, I say never, but in recent years, I've taken on the opinion that Obi-Wan was suddenly given a little brother Mm -hmm. and he now has to raise his brother. Yeah, I can see that. And that's kind of why he allows certain things to happen. Yeah. And or I say let them happen, I should say, I guess, because he doesn't he doesn't he knows like Anakin's got a crush on Padme, but he just kind of is like, ah, eh, dreams pass in time, you know, and kind of leaves it at that. And it's like, well, no, I mean, Anakin's didn't, you know, and he should have yeah. addressed it, you know, earlier on. So he does mature, but him not being the teacher that Anakin needs, because the teacher he needs is Qui-Gon. Um it leads to all sorts of other things. So it's not, it's not Obi-Wan's fault that Anakin turned to the dark side, but he could have prevented certain things, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of me. That's what I'm looking at here in attack of the clones, Caleb, you know, you add to that or just, just straight up jump into what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, I mean, I made note on the whole father comment from Anakin, the father son relationship that, mm-hmm. that Anakin views it as. And I think that you're pretty, you're right on there as far as, it's more so like Obi-Wan, like you said, was given a little brother that he had to take care of. But right. in that sense, he did, in, at least for me, he did have to kind of be that fatherly like figure. But after I kind of did this entire rewatch, I kind of viewed it as, OK, they initially start. Anakin views him as a father that's just always telling him, do this, don't do that, do this, yada, yada, yada. Right. After the events of the Clone Wars and they start gaining trust with each other then it turns into a a brother brother kind of relationship and that's why we get that line in revenge of the sith of you were my brother anakin Mm -hmm. and and it's more so and and now we get a book called brotherhood that's it they're more so brothers but i think that's just that's an indicator of where their relationship was at first when anakin says you're the only father that I've ever really known really. But so I definitely wanted to touch on that. Uh, The other thing that I just kind of made note here is of course we get an indicator of how Anakin dealt with Shmi's death, 
But just a question that I threw in it, and I know this is kind of bearing a little bit, but how, how did the Lars family react to this? I would certainly be interested in seeing that somehow connect to the Kenobi series. Uh, I think that that could be dived into just mean, as far as like what's their family dynamic like now? How did that impact them? Because of maybe, Shmi being gone. Correct. Yeah. I think that's something that could be discovered a little bit more if they wanted to in the Kenobi series, well, especially with yeah. um, Owen being one of the, the main cast members in this thing. Well, there is, um, from what I understand via something I've just come across on Twitter the other day, apparently Owen removed Shmi's headstone after they took in Luke. Really? Yeah, to just really keep things, you know, secret. Which did not know that. If that is true, holy cow. But I do think that there is potential for uh, Bonnie Peace and uh, Joel mm-hmm. Edgerton's characters, Owen and Baru, to have a little side conversation and be like, I wonder what his grandmother would think. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of thing. Because they, they knew her. Of course they did. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that was his stepmom, you know? I mean, and, and Baru would have looked at her as a mother-in-law to mm-hmm. a certain degree. So, well, I, he says girlfriend. They weren't married yet. But still, you know, you would have looked at those kinds of things and said, okay, you know, they know Shmi, you know. But if that canon, if that what I believe been told is a piece of canon um, is a thing, then, you know, it adds another element and another, another layer to that. For thinking. sure. Well, I mean, those were kind of the things on Attack of the Clones that were just – okay maybe a little different from you but other than that yeah i would say ultimate ultimately attack of the clones is about anakin's love for padme and how that it is eventually is going to be a piece to the puzzle as far as him turning to to vader i think that goes without saying yeah when you just bring up attack of the clones because sure. i mean everybody knows that and i didn't want to jump forward until you had anything else excuse me i'm drinking a sprite so you know how have y'all seen that sprite challenge thing on it's tiktok insane insane it's, it's ridiculous i bet the kids at your school are doing it Probably, but I don't want to know. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I um I was made a made a worthless decision and rewatched the Clone Wars movie. Um just one one thing on it before I jump into okay. the actual next thing on the list. Yeah. Um in Clone Wars, you see really two things about Kenobi. Anakin, yeah, there's some stuff, but it's not really worth mentioning because it's all an attack of the clones. Um, it's basically this Kenobi is displayed to be a great negotiator and an expert swordsman. I just thought that was nice, you know, you go. And especially with this fight with Aventress. You know, that's kind of the two big <laughs> things I took from Clone Wars movie. Um, I know Caleb didn't rewatch it because nope. I told him not to. <laughs> nope. I, I didn't really even plan on it, to be to be nope. honest. I, I did, but I was like, I was starting to watch it. I was like, God, this was a stupid decision, <laughs> but I got something out of it. So there you go. Okay. You now go. let's jump into Clone Wars Dude, season two. Oh, what's John up? Hare, ship name. Beskar Phoenix. Oh, that's uh, that's promising. We're like getting it. there. Keep, keep you know those, what though? Uh, I know why he said in. that. Why is that? I think I know because I, I just me and John have got a special connection here. Okay, <laughs> we're like brothers in the force ourselves. There you go. Beskar is the Mando talk. Okay. Phoenix is the Rebel Scum Texan because the the rebellion symbol is based on a phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. If I got that on right there, if you and I just had a moment, John, tell me, okay? Because that's, I like that. I'm going to, I'm not going to get it tattooed on me or anything, but I like it. Okay. Um, I like it a lot. Beskar Phoenix. Here we are. I like it. Mm. Okay. Um, Clone Wars season two. We're going to run down exactly one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight episodes. Okay. So buckle up. Yeah. We got to, we got to move quick and I'll be quick on my side of things too. So, okay. 
episode five, Kenobi, he puts his faith in those around him. Okay. Anakin does not, or he does care about Obi-Wan, but uh, puts completing the mission before his feelings a lot. Uh, Kenobi really only ignites his lightsaber when he believes it's the end. In case you're not familiar with episodes five through seven, this is the second assault on Geonosis. So um, that's kind of my episode five thoughts there, though. But the cinematography that they use for Clone Wars in that episode is really good. Just as mm-hmm. a sidebar. So that's kind of my episode five thing there. Um, episode six, Anakin's emotions are on display quite a lot when he believes Ahsoka to have died. Absolutely. And then in episode seven, Kenobi is pretty inquisitive, but he worries about Luminara, who's gone missing because she's been kidnapped by uh, the Gene Ocean Queen. So there's that. Uh, Caleb, toss it back to you on those three episodes. I legitimately think that you nailed everything that I said on that one. I mean, those were those were my big takeaways for the I, I just labeled this as the Geonosis plot. I didn't know the technical term. But, I don't know uh, the technical name. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting that as far as like um, Anakin very much so struggled with yeah. allowing Ahsoka to kind of go on and, and do her own thing. And yes, he's very much so caught in emotions and that is a thread that really goes throughout all of these essential clone wars episodes that we ended up needing to watch so that's all i wanted to say about about uh episode five through seven regarding season two of the clone wars well let's jump into episodes 12 through 14 this is really the some of the best clone wars storytelling because it gives uh insight into duchess satine of mandalore and kenobi's uh, relationship from the days of his uh, apprenticeship with Qui-Gon. Um, something that's an, I didn't think about before, but Duchess Satine has met Qui-Gon Jinn. So I think that's a neat little thing to think about. Um, yeah. And there is an Obi-Wan Kenobi-centered novel coming out either this year or next that's rumored to tell that story. So mm. looking forward to reading that one one day. I would day. love to read that. Yeah. So And by the way, I'm currently reading Brotherhood, and it is pretty good all is right it? so That's oh good. it's fantastic i would if you can't read a whole lot you don't have time to get the audio book but i have the physical book mm-hmm. because i pre-ordered it i'm a nerd and i love it but uh it, it makes my heart happy thus far mm-hmm. it's really good stuff so anyway let's get into this stuff with satine okay so for me really what we get here is we just get a lot of insight into how obi-wan feels about satine and even though there's like this struggle you know, where they're kind of like, it's kind of like eats me west, you know, as far as like mentality in a, in a sense goes. And there's an interesting dichotomy in there, you, you know, and and really there's just a whole lot. I think that's just happening within this. And ultimately, Satine just wants so badly to stay out of the war, but Kenobi can't really help but be a part of it because of who, what he's chosen to do with his life. Um, and I, those are some of the biggest things to me from this arc you know, with really yeah. protecting Duchess Satine. I have a lot of other details here, but like we just, there's no way I could cover them all in the time <laughs> we have. It's just, it's got a lot of good stuff within those episodes. Caleb, mm-hmm. you know, what do you want to add to that? No, I mean, my big takeaway was that I highly imagine just because like you mentioned, they were kind of, Satine and Obi-Wan, although they have tremendous love for each other, mm-hmm. which something that I hope somehow connects to the Kenobi series Me in some form. Too. Uh, they clearly kind of, butt heads a little bit as far as differing opinions and things like that and i just have to imagine as a guy that's in isolation thinking about what he's doing in the kenobi series i'd have to imagine that satine's non-violence way 
and also all of the differing opinions that Anakin had regarding what the Republic was doing, mm-hmm. I'd have to imagine that those two things are eating Kenobi alive. Well, because maybe yeah. if he had gotten on their level and maybe came to an agreement or understanding of what Satine and, and what Anakin were saying, all of this stuff could have been avoided. That was my big takeaway. I mean, yeah, there's so many other things. Anytime you go to Mandalore, there's so many other things. But my big takeaway to kind of just sum it all up is, man, all of this emotional stuff has got to be weighing on our boy Obi-Wan right now once we get to this series. I don't want to – I'm not going to give away stuff from Brotherhood big time, but you do learn where Obi-Wan gets the codename Ben from in Brotherhood. It was the nickname Satine gave him when they were hiding Wow! in, in his apprenticeship days. So yeah. um, I won't cool. say, I won't say how that's revealed in the book because that is a pretty big moment. And I don't want cool. I don't want to spoil that for anybody, but um, really need to think that he goes by Ben Kenobi, which means he's thinking about Satine, you know, that oh. means that means when Luke calls him Ben, uh huh. Wow. You Man. know, he's, he's gotta be thinking of Satine. So here we go. There's that. Right. Anyway, is it so, next Friday yet? <laughs> <laughs> so last thing from season two of Clone Wars, episode number twenty-two. Uh, at most twenty-one, this ep- isn't it? Oh, I can't remember which one it was. What I think you, it's twenty-one. You twenty-one? You, I may have gotten it down wrong. So why don't you go ahead and run yours down? Episode twenty-one, season yeah. two. R two come home. It was the R two come home episode. I skipped that one. Oops. Oh, no. Oh, well, <laughs> well what I mean, essentially, after I started watching this one for a minute, I was like, why is this on the list? <laughs> but then I, it kind of just hit me like, I think it's important as far as understanding the Anakin character, because the first thing that I typed in as w- I was watching episode 21 R2 come home was why is Mace Windu such a jerk? (laughs) And so I think that's probably why it was on the list is because again, another puzzle piece that led to Anakin's fall to Vader. Uh, So that was my big takeaway with episode 21. What did you get from episode 22? Cause I didn't watch that one. Uh, It just looks, lets us look into the world of the bounty hunters. I mean, that's kind of it. And I thought maybe that might have something to do with, you know, Kenobi being on Tatooine. Well, we've gotten, quotes and teaser trailers that reva's got every bounty hunter out there coming that's after true her. yeah so i, I mean, maybe it's a good thing that. that you maybe it's a good thing that you watch that one i will say that in brotherhood too mace windu's a jerk to anakin there too so you're kind of like dude. there you go <laughs> and in brotherhood does a really good job of explaining why but it's kind of like dude just stop but mm-hmm. whatever no discussion for another day maybe one day i'll do my own video of a review of brotherhood for the do channel it. and i would and love that Okay, well then I'll, I'll try to finish it as quickly as I can. I'm trying. There you go. Trying to get it done before you, Kenobi premieres. Yeah, you might want to do a review after Kenobi though, because I mean Ooh. we're just way way busy, right? I mean we are, but like <laughs> if I get that book done, then I I may do it. So do we'll it. see. Just do it. We'll post. All right. It. Whatever. We've now <laughs> officially made it to Clone Wars season three. Yes, sir. All right. So here we go. Episodes 15, 16, and seventeen, um, also known as the Mortis Arc. Yes. I mean, I don't think anybody else outside of fans really calls it the, the Mortis arc. And you barely even hear the name Mortis in this these three these three episodes of Clone right? Wars. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot going on here. Okay. So much. <laughs> so much symbolism, so much, you know, just happening. And it's so hard to break it down. I'm gonna do my best to just be quick about it. Okay. okay. So episode 15. 
here's what I got from it. Kenobi accepts Anakin as the chosen one. We see that very quickly, especially whilst, and that's while speaking to Qui-Gon's force ghost there. Okay. It looks like also in, in the father's monastery, there are depictions of these little statues in the background that look like the world between worlds, mm. which I thought was kind of neat, you know, cause yeah. that could have been something they did on purpose for rebels. Um, Anakin actually denies he is the chosen one, which I thought was interesting. It's kind of like this thing has been thrust upon him. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't want it. Yeah. Yeah. And then this episode actually coincides with uh, Return of the Jedi because um, because Anakin doesn't want to, you know, accept that. But it eventually becomes true later on down the road, which I thought was awesome. Um, and then Anakin doesn't stay. Um, oh, yeah. The father wants Anakin to stay on Mortis to kind of like balance everything out. Um, mm-hmm. But because he decides to leave, it leads to Anakin's undoing. So that's episode 15. That's just one episode. You know, Caleb, did you have one something on just that episode? Other than just Qui-Gon Jinn visiting Obi-Wan, I think after I saw that again, it just made me feel like, okay, this has to happen in the Kenobi show. Like, it has to. Yeah. If it doesn't, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> I, I 100% agree with you. Okay, I'm going to start digging so deep here and just try to find some surface-level stuff uh, to kind of go with. But yeah. I think – with 16 now, th- I think this overall episode is a lesson in what the dark side can do to those around you, mm. how it can manipulate those uh, around you. And honestly, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm understanding the Mortis arc as it's supposed to be told. I've always been confused by it. Yeah. And for me, I was like, oh, that's why. And I'm like writing stuff in on my phone <laughs> so I can talk about it. But I'm like, there's uh-huh. just so much here. And I don't want to like, I don't want to just unleash it all right now because we just don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's such a really cool uh, moment here in all of this episode. And, and of course, in the moments of Clone Wars, this one stands alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this. I think that when the daughter uh, dies, mm-hmm. um, the death of the daughter, I think, was unintentional. It was, but it symbolizes Anakin's fall, showing mm-hmm. that the light side is now dead in him. Oh, that is deep right I'm, there. I'm, I, I'm giving you one little thing of like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm over here, like, you know, getting Freaking, into some, yeah. some Jediology over wow. here. And I'm, I'm just like, OK, well, I'm not going to get into all of it now. Well, but, I'm just going to leave it at that. That's good stuff right there. OK, well, then you want to go to 17? You want <laughs> to say go something? To 17. OK, on 17. <laughs> so um, Anakin realizes he can't defeat the son on his own. So mm-hmm. he goes to the father and the father actually commits self-sacrifice to bring the balance back. Because what happens is the daughter's dead, the father kills himself, and then the son gets killed by Anakin, symbolizing Anakin's story that he falls from the light and then defeats the dark later on, becoming literally his own kind of father and bringing balance back to uh, the force, which I think is just a picture perfect thing. And it symbolizes so much. Mm -hmm. It's it's just a great, you know, story there. Caleb, you want to add anything on that? I would just say that uh, so far during this rewatch, this Mortis arc for me was by far the most enjoyable, most epic, loved every single second of it. But ultimately, I feel like, first of all, the the vision that Anakin experiences, phenomenal. Gosh, I love the emotions that that are involved with that. But secondly, uh, simply because the father erases his mind and he no longer has any knowledge of it. Mm hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think any of this Mortis arc is going to connect to Kenobi. I mean, Ooh. yeah, we've got some like um, 
cool concepts, connections, like you just mentioned, deep like character study there, which that we can now that we've seen it, we can fully understand that Anakin and Obi-Wan connect characters the way that we need to going into the show. Sure. But ultimately, I don't think any of this Mortis stuff is going to get connected to this to the show because it will completely go over so many people's heads that haven't seen mortis at all <laughs> yeah i think you you're onto something there very important and yeah you're right it does it does give us that understanding that i think as viewers we all kind of need for kenobi so right. yeah <laughs> good stuff there i am going to now jump into season four yeah and i am gonna steamroll this whole arc do it um this is at season four episodes 12 through 18 okay um there's a lot going on here but the big things to me that stick out, okay, we've got um, Anakin having to wrestle with his past as a slave, um, which I think foreshadows that he will one day be enslaved to being Darth Vader, mm. um, you know, and that's, that's a whole other character study in and of itself. Um, and then the other, you know, that, that's the big thing for me on this. Of course, you get some connections to Return of the Jedi here. Um, and then also Obi-Wan goes uses his code name uh Ben when he's undercover. Um as a uh what was it? Whenever he was he took the the swallowed the thing and they did the thing to his face and he became uh Rayco Hardeen or whatever yeah, yeah, his name yeah. was. Rayco so Hardeen. yeah. But before I jump too far ahead on looking at Kenobi, um something that the Queen of Zygeria says in episode 13 really stuck out to me. Okay. And I may be reading kind of deep into it, but I want to I want to read it now if that's okay. Um Do it. It said, she said this, as plans of escape and hopes of rescue fade, the gnawing fear that he will never be able to take action will grow in Kenobi's heart. To ease the burden of his fellow slaves, defiance will become compliance. When Kenobi realizes he cannot help those around him, his spirit will break and he will be mine, is what um, she says. And then she goes on, if such Jedi as Kenobi and Skywalker can fall, how many others will follow? Now, I know she's talking about enslaving Jedi. I see what you're doing. Yeah, but, I, like it. I like it. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Anakin enslaves himself to the dark side. Yeah. And Kenobi, where we're seeing him in Obi-Wan, the show, mm -hmm. he's enslaving himself to isolation. Yeah, he's in and, his own little prison for sure. And he can't, he can't even, and it's defiance becomes compliance. Mm -hmm. He can't defy the authority around him. So he has to comply that the, the authority being the empire, he can't take action. It's a, what the, the Jedi, it's like an itch that must be scratched as the inquisitor says in the trailer. I mean, come on, like, look, I know I'm reading into one line yeah, and yeah, I yeah. highly <laughs> doubt that that was a line considered <laughs> when they were making and writing Kenobi. Sure. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm I'm losing it. See, G General Priebus, come here. You know what I'm saying? You've known the guy. OK, he gets it. All right. And watch the situation. He's, he's, that's exactly what he, he said it to me. Right. He goes, watch the situation, DJ. I'll tell you what the situation is. The Zygerian queen knew something. <laughs> OK. Anyway, she was involved in the plot. A 100 percent. OK, um, so you get the Zygerian stuff fun times but then yeah. we get into the box you know the reiko hardine box. breakdown yeah um caleb on all these episodes 
I've, I've said what I need to say on these. What, what do you, what would you like to add? The only thing, first of all, yes, the Zygerian stuff for sure. It was cool to see a cool, but important to see the emotions of Anakin triggered as far as this, his history with slave slavery. Yeah. Secondly, as far as the Reiko Hardeen arc, stupid, stupid. Yet again, another stupid decision oh, by yes. the Jedi Council to keep Anakin out of the loop. And yet again, here we are, the third puzzle piece to creating Darth Vader. All because um, yep. you think he just can't handle it, which whatever. I get it, but I don't at the same time. I don't get it at all. I mean, it, it was a bad call. Yes, it was. I mean, and, and it and was Obi Wan's idea, correct? It was, but you yeah. know what's dumb about that is that Anakin still doesn't blame Obi Wan; he blames the Council. Yeah, well, that just it, shows his love for his master. I mean, which, but also to a fault. It, yeah, it, yeah, love to a fault. Exactly, that's what's going on there, and that, it bugs the fire out of me because you. We've talked about this on the show before. I love Anakin Skywalker. It's like, I think you even pointed out, you said when you're a kid, you want to be Anakin, but when you grow up, you want to be Obi-Wan. 100%. You know? And so it's like, and my kid side of me is like, stop. (laughs) But the adult side of me, I guess it's kind of infiltrated the kid thought, but the adult side of me is like, Obi-Wan, you idiot. Come on. Anakin, I mean, come on. He would have been, he'd have just left, you know? I mean, it wouldn't have been a big deal. And anyway, that, is obi-wan's fault you know right there that's a big deal so okay we have another uh ship name here oh we do from rfb sundari is that's a reference to um bo-katan and mandalore i'm trying to remember exactly how it, it i gotta come on rfb help me out i know you're still in the chat so isn't that like the dome or something the capital of sundari yes that's yeah. where that's the place where the big dome yeah yeah. And it gets blown up in Book of Boba Fett. Well, it got blown up in the of past. Of all places, man. Of all places. That still how, throws me for a loop. How but I'll you take casual, it. How Again, do you casually drop that? It's yeah. three seasons of storytelling. Thank you, Dave Filoni. All right. And <laughs> John, John Favreau. Favreau. <laughs> By the way, I started rewatching The Chef Show on Netflix last night. What? <laughs> you heard about The Chef Show? This took a massive. No, no, it didn't. I promise. I promise it didn't. No, I've never John, heard of this. So John Favreau did a movie a few years ago called Chef. Okay. And then he, the chef who was helping him on the movie, he does a show with him for Netflix. Okay. And guests that had like Gwyneth Paltrow and Bill Burr on the first episode. So nice. like you're, I'm looking at Favreau talking to Bill Burr and I'm like, they've been having Mandalorian conversations, you know, you got to watch chef show. It's a, it's a great, great well, series on Netflix. And if you need a Favreau fix, like I do occasionally watch chef show. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. That's season four. Let's get to season five. And Let's then we're, we're, uh, halfway there okay well, so <laughs> i think season four episode 22 is maul and savage seeking kenobi oh, that's I still skip, technically I, I what that one man did you even reference the main list? i did constantly it <laughs> I'm just, just messing with you i slipped my mind i got a baby right, well, in my in my arms while i'm watching these i'll it's just crazy. kind of read my takeaways with season four episode 22 it's when maul and savage seek kenobi uh obi-wan and maul come face to face for the first time post the Phantom Menace, which was great. Um, Ventress aids Kenobi, which shocking, but it made sense. And it's always something that I wish we could have seen more. I know there's books out there. It's that, not shocking if you read Brotherhood. Oh man, I got to read Brotherhood, I guess. <laughs> but the big takeaway for me from this episode is anytime Obi-Wan comes face to face with Maul, 
he goes dark side a little bit. He always experiences some form of rage anytime he comes saber to saber with Maul. Very except, interesting. Except, except in the very sons. correct. Except yeah. when he, we get to to Rebels, which is on the list. And I'm assuming, hopefully, DJ watched that one. <laughs> I watched the stuff I needed to watch in that one. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I had to I had to scrub through that one real quick. But anyway, um, and I had to split my viewing. That was sad. Okay, so season five, episodes 16 through 20. Um, this is there's no other other any other way to put this. This is when Duchess Satine dies. And to me, the best subplot in Clone Wars is anything with the Mandalorians. Mm. That, and, and honestly, becomes the giant crescendo of season seven, so it's perfect. But um, you got in episode 16, Maul attacking Mandalore, uh, taking it as his own is what leads to Obi-Wan coming to Satine's rescue. I mean, Satine's in trouble. Obi-Wan comes running. You got to love it because that's his girl, you know? Yeah. I mean... It's just a beautiful story there. Uh, moving into episode 17, you know, Maul believes that he will break Obi-Wan's spirit by killing Satine. Now, it's very obvious this does deeply hurt Obi-Wan, and it's very visible in this episode for a while, honestly. He doesn't get over it very quickly. But at the end of the day, he's a Jedi. And we see how opposite he is in comparison to Anakin when he is when it comes to subduing his emotions. He he, he lives by the Jedi code, as he has said many times. And he said it to Anakin, you know, when they first went to protect Satine back in, what was that, season three? Season two. Mm. So I, I, those are just two big things there from season five, those couple episodes. Caleb, real quick, you know, add on those. Two things I'll say. Um, Corky, he is not Obi-Wan Kenobi's illegitimate son. Thank get you. That, get that crap out of there. Thank you. But it was cool to see him. I forgot about the dude, to be honest. <laughs> Secondly... Uh, the Satine death, yes, that by far, and I even put this in my note, but I don't know if I still feel the same way after we've started having our conversations. I put in my notes, this is by far the most important thing we've seen in the rewatch so far from the Clone Wars. I don't know if I still feel that way, but it's definitely something again that I would hope he's way emotionally weighing on in his isolation on Tatooine. So just wanted to throw that out there. I think that would weigh on him 100%. Anything with Satine is going to weigh on him, yeah. And I think that's something you and McGregor, he's got to be conscious of, mm-hmm. you know, or he had to have been when he went into this. I mean, it was, it was not like it wasn't there. You know, he could have very easily watched it. I hope he did. Or at yeah. least someone told him, hey, by the way, you had a love interest. Oh, okay, great. You know, like, you know, it's kind of like when somebody told General, uh, the guy that played General Hux that he had a cat, you know. Did you not know that? There's like, a, ran- there's like a random comic book that says that General Hux has a, has a cat. Nice. And so like, imagine like, he'd be a horrible horrible pet owner <laughs> yeah maybe maybe he's like a, a huge jerk in person but like he loves his animals probably because there are people out there that way he's like <laughs> one of those that's like he's standing at his little door in his starship and he's like giving orders and then he opens it and he's like come here little <laughs> it's like this order will stand and then he's like it's good stuff okay oh gosh um, only at mando talk only at mando that subscribe <laughs> yeah at the subscribe there you go which we have gained some subs yeah, Recently, we? yeah, we're up to 172 now. I'm loving there it. There you go. Um, Love like, it. like Mickey D's. All right. <laughs> so let's get into the last few episodes of season five here. Uh, yeah. 18, 19, and 20. Here's the kind of the overarching thing for me. I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on this ep- these episodes specifically because they're not Kenobi-centric. Correct. But they do interfere with Anakin quite a bit. Correct. Another this, piece to the puzzle. 
Absolutely. It's just one more thing that leads to Vader. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think of it as Anakin looks at Ahsoka as his little sister mm. in ways. You know, I, I really love that idea to think like when he doesn't have his sister by his side, it messes with him. I think I look at her as kind of like a compass for him on the battlefield. You know, she's pointing true north in a way. And without her by his side, I think that's what really brings the fall faster. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a little sister and it'd be weird if my sister was just like, I'm out, you know, and I'd be like, well, what, what, you, you know, and then I have two younger brothers. So we would all be kind of like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, like, yeah. so for me, I, I look at, at it a lot like that, but still it does mess with Anakin. And it is again, like you said, another piece of the puzzle. Agreed. Agreed. The only thing I'll say to this, and I think I teased this to you before we went live. Oh yeah. This arc it really gave me a reminder of why I love Ahsoka so much Mm. just because her decision at the end of this is the most Jedi thing that she could have done as far as her leaving the order. And man, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say at that point, suddenly the only character I cared about was Ahsoka. And I just, I just wanted to keep on watching Ahsoka centered uh, episodes. And I knew, I knew I couldn't do that because you know, Mm. we're, we're getting ready for Kenobi. But man, I have to say, out of doing this rewatch, just, Ahsoka really stood out to me. And this, yeah. obviously, this arc drove that home. Well, you just wait until next year, man. You Let's get go. that. That'll be a good time to rewatch all that Ahsoka Let's stuff. Go. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in a room with a big old bucket of popcorn and my brother Gavin, who, for lack of a better term, worships Ahsoka. So yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for those days. That'll be a good time. Absolutely. Um, you're right. I kind of felt that way too, though. Like mm-hmm. I really wanted to keep watching Ahsoka. And speaking of Ahsoka, we've made it to season seven of Clone Wars, everybody. There Thank you, go. by the way, for those of you who are still stuck with us and you're yeah, still listening. I, I mean, this, is a this it's a long stream. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be that way. Hey, because I was like, I'm going to be short. We got to do our due diligence, though. Okay. I think we're we doing only, it. Apparently, this is a limited series, so we're only getting it once. That's right? true. So yeah. we got to dive yeah. in. We, we got do. to. All right. Well, let's continue the dive and continue the plunge here into season seven. Okay. Episodes uh, nine and 10 specifically. I, as an added bonus, tossed in uh, episode 12, the final episode of Clone Wars. It just a small thing there, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Season uh, nine. What's great about these couple last episodes is we see Anakin for the last time. Okay. Um, in episode nine and how quickly the events of the Clone Wars intersect with Revenge of the Sith, which you kind of see that happen in both nine and 10. Um, But because of his attachment to Ahsoka, I really see this as Anakin. He feels a a deep need to help her, but here's what's getting in the way. It's fate and destiny. That's what's getting in the way there. The force essentially is getting in the way and that's leading him toward the rescue of the chancellor and the death of Count Dooku. Mm -hmm. So you, you get these nice notes here. Um, with that on episode nine, Caleb, I see you itching, you know, not, not literally you were, you're like, let's go. I looked up and said itching as you scratch your shoulder. My bad. Um, but no, for real, I, I feel like you got, you got some, no, I just feel like, Hey, I'm, I, I'm itchy too. Okay. But I'm itching for some more Kenobi. Um, but no, what is, what are you thinking on this, this episode nine here? Episode nine, it was just so seamlessly connects to revenge of the Sith and everything going on with that movie uh other than me just simply saying that it's again i've said this is the theme of this rewatch yet again another piece of the puzzle that that anakin has to commit to his political responsibilities 
to go and save the chancellor mm-hmm. rather than go with i i would hope he would rather go with ahsoka that was an interesting little debate i had etern- internally like which one, if he had to choose, which would he go to? Would he go to save Palpatine? Would he go to save Ahsoka? I would say Ahsoka, but that's just, you know, the good in me, mm-hmm. I guess. But obviously he has a deep connection with Palpatine. But anyway, anyway, episode nine, great segue, perfect connection to Revenge of the Sith. That's the only thing I wanted to say for sure. Awesome. Yeah. And you're right about Palpatine. We can talk about that for a while, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, here we go into episode 10. This is the last time we see Obi-Wan in this series. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's telling Ahsoka what transpired on uh, Grievous's battleship. You know, these things kind of weigh on Ahsoka, even though we don't really see Anakin or Obi-Wan after these episodes. I really feel like the tension is there. And you can feel that through the events of her fighting Maul. Mm-hmm. And then also with Order 66, I think that goes without saying. Um, and I, I call it the tension in the force is yeah. what I look at it, you know, from there. And I, that to me is what stands out so much about the 10th episode here. Um, so, Caleb, what, what about you here in episode 10? One thing that I'll mention about episode 10, the mall crime syndicate conversation. Mm. I just I just put down that could give a clue regarding the underworld of the galaxy during the Kenobi series. I'll just leave it at that. I, I think that's just something to consider that those syndicates, Crimson Dawn, things like that, it's out there. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not going on my little rant like I did with the Book of Boba Fett that I needed Crimson Dawn to show up. Not saying yeah. that at all. I'm just saying that me seeing those characters reminded me, ooh, don't forget, this could play a part, which again, because Reva in a trailer says, uh, I'm going to bring every single bounty hunter to get him, basically. That's a go. So, there you maybe, maybe there's some form of connection, name plug to one of these syndicates out there. I would love that. And is, and they can't really bring in Maul, you know, because no. he doesn't yeah, know they, Obi-Wan's alive. Yeah. So it could be somebody else, I guess, but I, I don't know if I want that to happen. The mm-hmm. syndicate side of things, right? Bounty, right, right. Bounty hunters all day, but I, yeah, I got where you're coming from on I that. I still think it's important just to understand the timeline that we're in for sure. Yes. Okay. Well, let's uh, one last note here in season seven, episode 12. I know that's not on the essential list. I just okay. want to point out the fact that we do get to see uh, Vader. And mm, correct. Yeah. And he, of course, goes to the crash site. Mm-hmm. And I think that lets us, you know, see what's to come in Rebels and also a new hope. OK, yeah. so I just wanted to throw that in there because it's just nice to think, OK, what else is Anakin thinking about? Mm-hmm. Um, or Vader, I guess, at this point. So, OK, um, let's get into Revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah, this is one of those movies that I think Caleb and I have seen enough times that we, we didn't have to watch it. <laughs> that we just didn't even need to watch it. Absolutely. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, when I think about Revenge of the Sith, I think about one major aspect, really, mm-hmm. what it comes down to. It's Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship. How, what they've gone through, what they've done together, how they met, where it, because that's what this whole episode of Mando talks about, is yeah. getting from the beginning of their relationship to where it ends, really in A New Hope, but specifically in Revenge of the Sith. Um Man, they, they got into a lot of shenanigans together. I mean, they went through a lot of, of, of hard times during the Clone Wars, not to mention the 10 years that we haven't seen on screen between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to Revenge of the Sith, I mean, it's a heartbreak. I yes. mean, I, Deborah Chow said in one of those interviews that she views it as an element of a love story where these two people have 
gone through a major breakup and then they're mm-hmm. coming back to hash things out like in court or something, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, so I'm looking at it kind of like that too. Mm-hmm. And that's what revenge of the Sith looks like to me, not to mention, you know, there's the, the brothers, you know, one's betrayed the other. And I honestly would say Obi-Wan betrayed Anakin to a certain degree. So there's a lot happening in revenge of the Sith. Caleb, I'm just give you the floor on revenge of the Sith. I mean, it's just very clear and, props to Hayden and Ewan the beginning of this movie man their connections you can just tell that they've been through some stuff and there's some genuine love that they portray to each other I don't know if that was on I mean I'm sure that was on purpose but it just seemed to just shine in this movie compared to Attack of the Clones when when they were working together uh, beforehand but of course Revenge of the Sith at the end of the day is the most heartbreaking story yeah. in all of Star Wars. Yeah. And that scene there at the end, you know, you were my brother, Anakin, loved you. I hate you. All of that. All of those emotions. That one moment is what sticks out to me that I think will directly carry over into Kenobi, because I would imagine that those are going to be the emotions that are freshly. It's it's like a, a, a cut. Yeah. You pour hydrogen peroxide. Salt in the wound. Yeah. Yeah. Salt in the wound, yeah. As soon as they discover that both of them are out there, I think that their emotions are going to go right back to that moment where Kenobi has deep love for the guy. Mm. Uh, Hayden, or Hayden, (laughs) Anakin has love for Kenobi, but his hatred has taken over. Gosh. I can't wait wait to see those emotions unfold again. In I'm, series. A, I'm just a little bit at a loss for words because even when I think about these two characters that everything you say comes to mind, you know, you mm-hmm. think about the, the, I love you. I hate you. Or yeah. I loved you. You yeah. know, it's, he's, he's like, I don't love you anymore. You know, yeah, right. That's right, what right. he says. It just, ah, man, to think of like if one of my closest friends, you know, to have, if that had happened to me and one of my closest friends, you know, obviously I'm not thinking one of us is on the banks of a lava river, but <laughs> to have that moment where like, we're not friends anymore, you know that? Yeah. And, and unfortunately in my life, there's been a couple of times where that's happened and it's not fun, nope. you know, but that's why I feel, I think a big weight to it is because you kind of personify it at a certain point. And, yeah. oh man, it's, it, it just shows you where we're going in Kenobi. Okay. Um, now if we're good with revenge of the Sith, let's we're move good. into rebels. Let's okay? get into rebels. Okay. A little more lighthearted here. Um, Rebels, For sure. <laughs> yeah, Rebels season one, episodes one and two. It's real quick. It's yeah. just Obi Wan's coded transmission. Okay, mm-hmm. we see it. Ezra's listened to it a few times. Comes back up in Twin Suns. Um, you know, I really love this because what it shows us about Obi Wan, I think, is that even though he knows things are bad when he sends out the message, he still has hopes for a brighter future. Now that may have weighed on him in the 10 years that followed, you know, up to where we see him in Kenobi. But I think it's an important note to, to touch on. Caleb, what do you think? Yes, 100% agree with you. Only thing I'll add regarding episode one and two of Rebels is obviously this is after, this is post-Kenobi's show. Yeah. Vader has displayed a tendency in the past to kill people that do not do a good job. The Grand Inquisitor is still alive. Obviously, he does something in the Kenobi series that pleases Vader. Obviously, he's not going to kill Kenobi, but I, I expect to see great things from the Grand Inquisitor simply because that dude is still living. 
Yeah. I mean, that was, I started rewatching rebels uh, before we decided to do this because I wanted Mm -hmm. to get the connections to Kenobi, but it actually worked out. Side note, uh, my daughter, who's only about four months old was watching this with me. I had her laying on her little play mat while these episodes were on the Wookiees showed up and they're doing, they're going and all that. And she goes, Oh, I was like, yeah. That is awesome. That's awesome. I was very excited about that. Okay. (laughs) Rebels season two, episode uh, 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anakin is seen on a hologram uh, through a holocron, which is great. Ezra says that he watches um, him and kind of learns from it, all that good stuff. Ahsoka kind of talks about this relationship that they built during the war, you know. And then, of course, if you kind of go through the rest of the episode, Ahsoka is forced to kind of face her demons as she kind of blames herself for Anakin dying which again that's more soka centric than anakin centric but it's there and i think it's an important thing to remember that anakin the turning the dark side really did a lot not just on the surface but you know deep down you yeah. know and i think it's a big thing to remember uh, caleb what about you on this one only other thing that, that you did not mention is just to Again, I guess I'm I'm the Inquisitor guy here. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to keep in mind that the Inquisitor, it's revealed in this episode that the Inquisitor was a Knight of the Jedi Order. So he's got a past uh, with the Jedi. So just something to keep in mind as we watch the Grand Inquisitor's events unfold in this Kenobi well, show. Well, all, in, all Inquisitors used Correct. to be Jedi. Correct. Yeah, just, so, just throwing that out there. But, just he, was remind, a, remind but he was everybody. a temple guard, which yes. is a very specific, it's a yeah. very specific duty in the Jedi order. Mm-hmm. I would encourage anybody to jump on Wikipedia and do some research there. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, uh, another thing that I put down too, is that Yoda, when he's discussing, when he's talking with Ezra, he admits that uh, the Jedi were wrong to get involved in the Clone Wars fight. He said, I was con- consumed by fear. I'm assuming that's a belief that Kenobi's got at this point as well. Consumed I, I think by so. fear. Uh, the, the Jedi allowed fear to, guide all of their decisions and that's why they're in this mess well they do say that fear does lead to you know suffering which leads mm-hmm. to the dark side and even if you don't individual on your own fall to the dark side if you yeah. allow fear to you know take control in even small areas like a decision to join a war which isn't a small yeah. thing but you know what i mean it can very easily lead to the dark side good call on that i wouldn't have picked up on that at all yeah. Something else too, just connecting back. This this is another moment where I was like, man, I, I wish I could watch the next two episodes. As soon as they mentioned they were going to Malachor, gosh, I wanted to focus on Ahsoka so hard, but I yeah. had to keep going. <laughs> I I about did. You know, I texted you and got the end of season two mixed up with the end of season three. You know, yeah. and I was like, dude, this is great. <laughs> it's like, no, it's you're like that's the wrong one. I was like, you're right. So I just jump. Jump to season three. Okay. In, in this season three, episode 20 of Rebels, honestly, there's just not enough good things to say about it. This is, Correct. of course, Twin Sons. Okay. Backdrop drop here. Uh, Maul starts using the holocron to kind of lure Ezra to Tatooine. Watch the few episodes before that with Maul. You'll understand what's going on. Ezra leaves. He goes to Tatooine. He finds Obi-Wan. And, of course, he has to have the showdown, the rematch, if you will with uh, Darth Maul. This Obi-Wan is drastically different than the Correct. Obi-Wan we saw in Clone Wars and at the end of uh, end of Revenge of the Sith and definitely going to be drastically different from the one we're about to see next mm-hmm. week, okay? That's a, that's a sentence right there. Um, but I think that this is what's really interesting about this to me the most is that Obi-Wan is able to bring the, a very important chapter of his life to a close. The, that being the the mall 
I'll call it a trilogy, the, the timeline of his time with Maul, I guess. Yeah. It comes to a close. But within this story, we can see how he believes Anakin to not be the chosen one. Mm. I think the betrayal shifted his perspective, which we see a lot uh, in life. He's, someone betrays you. You think someone does you wrong. You're like, well, forget that person. I'm done with them. I, you know, I think that's kind of how Obi-Wan's looking at it to a certain point. So when you look at the overall story of Star Wars, we know that that his perspective of Luke being the chosen one isn't true. You know, I mean, you know, cause George Lucas said, no, Anakin's the chosen one. <laughs> you know, this, this moment I have displayed down here, uh, you may not be able to see it, but it's concept art of Luke versus Vader in the throne room on the death star too, you know? So all of that's coming to a head. You see Vader turn back to the light and become Anakin again in the last moments of his life. So he is the chosen one. But the only person who ever had faith in him was Luke, you know, and I think that's an important thing to remember because all of that ties into this fight with Maul because Maul's the one that brings that out. Yeah. And as he's dying, he goes, is it the chosen one? Yeah. And he's like, he is, you know, mm -hmm. and, and of course he's not, but it's just what Obi-Wan believed at that point in his life. And he yeah. was wrong. Absolutely. So to me, that's a big thing about this. You know, I can't believe that Darth Maul actually connects to Luke Skywalker somehow, like legitimately, mm -hmm. but he does. And I guess that's all I have to say about this particular episode. Caleb, what do you have? Okay. So I'll, I, this is one where I'll just kind of run through the, the things that I jotted down. So again, I know a lot of you out there probably know this uh, at this point in the timeline. Just remember that Kenobi, I don't believe is leaving Tatooine again at this point. Obviously, this is after the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but when we see him in this episode of Rebels, I think he's there to stay. You agree with that? You really think that he's going to stay on Tatooine the whole time? Oh, until, until A New Hope, obviously. Oh, when this series is over. No, 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 no. What did I, I miss? Rewind, rewind. Yeah, I okay. missed something. So at this state, in this episode, this is post the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Okay. I'm saying at this point, I believe Kenobi's done with any extra missions. I think he's oh, there on yeah. Tatooine to stay until a new hope occurs. I can see that. Okay. I can definitely see that being a possibility. I'm not uh, I'm totally convinced that Bail Organa didn't reach out to him prior to the droids coming down to Tatooine and a new hope. So yeah. part of me wants to believe that Obi-Wan was preparing to leave Tatooine one more time. Mm, interesting. but i don't there's no evidence of that it's just an assumption right. yeah okay. but i can totally see where you're at in yeah. that yeah i totally get that all right second thing that i have here rex mentions that senator bail organa confirmed kenobi's death when talking with ezra i 1000 yeah. percent believe this connects to the show I think at the very end of the season, I think Bell and Obi-Wan are going to have a conversation where they make an, a, an agreement, an arrangement where Bell spreads across the galaxy that Kenobi did, in fact, perish from Order 66 or some other time. Obi -Wan's Just from gonna... that one little dialogue from Rex. I get so excited when you pull out these little details because <laughs> I miss them. And I'm having a, a little bit of a moment over here. Uh huh. I I I had to stop and just kind of lean over. I mean, sure. Those of you who aren't watching, I I legit just killed over into a fetal position and cried for a second. Um, <laughs> I didn't cry, but I was like, oh my gosh, like, dude, that. Okay, so I'm gonna stop freaking out and explain myself now. Okay. Rex says that Bail Organa confirms Kenobi's death. Correct. Now, you would think, yeah, probably at Order 66. However, yeah. what if 
Bail Organa is tied into Kenobi in a major way. Mm -hmm. And he happens to be with Kenobi, but the Empire doesn't know that they're friends, okay? Mm -hmm. Doesn't know that he's been secretly kind of helping them out, maybe. And then through this, you know, maybe Bail Organa is off in the distance and he sees Vader defeat Kenobi. Mm. And he's I like, like I, I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah. But then like later, he's like, to make Rogue One make sense, he's like, mm -hmm. hey, buddy, I'm I'm not dead. Okay. It's just one of those things. Right. So, dude, that would be sick. Now, it's yeah. probably not going to happen, but that'd be sick. Well, I, I still believe that we're getting some form of canon explanation behind that, that I, I think there, there's something there. Because like you pointed out there perfectly, Bail Organa is well aware that Kenobi's alive. Yeah. By the time Rogue One occurs. So I feel like it's they're going to come to I I think it's just going to be like a face to face conversation. Like, yeah. look, uh, tell people that, that I died because of this or, or whatever. And call call me when you need me. And of course, that's going to be the the new hope connection. Absolutely. I and mean, Rogue, I'm, I'm ready Rogue to go One ahead and, and go to that new hope if you're ready I, for it. I am, too. Here's here's the truth. Again, I said this about Ridge of the Sith. I didn't watch A New Hope because I know it. Um, and, but I did rewatch two scenes. I rewatched um, the scene where Obi-Wan runs down what the Force is and who Anakin is with Luke in the hut. Okay. They're, they're there on Tatooine. He gives them the lightsaber. I watched all that. Okay. Yeah. That's essential Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. It's essential Alec Guinness Kenobi. Yeah, uh, you can't you can't that's a sense of Star Wars, honestly. You know, you everything you know about the Jedi comes from that sentence because it was what we saw first on screen. Okay. Now, having said that, it is 100 percent you know, it shows so much about what Obi-Wan believes about Vader. And I think there's notes of what they're gonna pull from in this TV series, this limited series, they're gonna pull from that scene directly. Mm. And a lot of people keep talking about Obi-Wan and Vader's fight on the Death Star. Look, I don't think there's enough to pull from that to say, hey, let's put this in Kenobi. Hey, there's stuff there, but there's more in this scene with Obi-Wan and Luke, I feel like. Um, secondly, this the fight in the Death Star, people always kind of harp on it for it being a lackluster sword fight. And they blame that on, well, they didn't know, you know, the Jedi were you know, such awesome, you know, swordsmen and all that stuff. No, I really, after watching all of this material and just kind of putting myself in the mindset of the two characters I'm watching, like I fast forwarded through the Han Luke Leia stuff to get to the second half of this fight. And then as soon as it was over, I was like, I don't even want to watch this movie anymore. Cause I've been focusing on Kenobi so hard because, and that's wild to think about because it is a new hope, but um, watching Obi-Wan in this fight scene, I really feel like there's a lot of tension and emotion there when you really get down to the two characters. Um, that's all I'll say about A New Hope with Kenobi. Uh, Caleb, please add to that because that's that's not a lot, you know? The only thing that, um, first of all, everything you said about the conversation between Ben and Luke in his homestead, fantastic. Yeah. I definitely do think that there's going to be some things pulled from that. But I think what you just kind of mentioned there regarding the emotion in that fight, I think they're well aware of that. And I think it's going to become a very seemingly connection to where when they're fighting in a new hope and you see their fate, well, obviously when I say there, I mean, Obi-Wan's facial expression, because you can't see Vader's, but I mean, you can see his expression through the suit. I mean, we talk about Din Djarin doing that with the Mandalorian all the time, but right. anyway, um, 
I think that when we see a new hope and we see them fighting, we are going to see that fight so differently after the events of Obi-Wan Kenobi, because I yeah. think when we see emotions on uh, Obi-Wan's face, we'll probably think back to their little showdown that we're eventually going to have here in this show, in this series that we're getting next week. Right. Um, so I do think a new hope is going to be impacted just like it was impacted by rogue one. I mean, I, I, my view on that first scene of a new hope was forever changed because Vader just is fresh off of the adrenaline of wiping out tons of rebels <laughs> when yeah. he finally catches yeah. up. Um, so yeah, I mean, a new hope it's going to get impacted. I know there's a lot of concern regarding the quote of I haven't felt I ha this is a presence. I haven't felt since whatever from Vader regarding their last fight, which we for so long believed it was just on Mustafar. I think they're still going to easily be able to work around that. I get the worry with that, but I'm not worried about it at all. Based on the quotes that we've heard from Deborah Chow talking about how much they took into respect what George Lucas had done before. So I say all of that to say, I think a new hope is going to perfectly connect to this thing. And I can not wait for next Friday. This little discuss this little discussion, this massive discussion that we've had, because, again, I talked about this at the beginning of the episode. This is something that we probably should have done over like the past three, four weeks to get us ready, like we did with Boba festivities. But life caught up. There's so much Kenobi Anakin stuff out there, like you've alluded to. I mean, you've you've plugged Brotherhood three or four times. Yeah, like yeah. there's books, there's comics there's so much that i think every single creative at lucasfilm has looked at and dived into obviously not every single one of them but they've all kind of played their part to maybe just throw ideas up on a board and say hey this is in brotherhood hey this is in uh master and apprentice or whatever yeah uh, i think that they have done their due diligence hopefully here we did our due diligence regarding the yeah. physical or not physical but visual media regarding obi-wan and anakin and uh i can't wait i can't wait hopefully we did a good job but i mean we definitely put in the uh overtime work here this week yeah it was long to prepare for and it resulted in a long episode but hopefully you enjoyed it those of you listening i enjoyed it because i was very much so looking forward to hearing your thoughts dj regarding these episodes it sounded like there's a lot of similarities some extra things that you picked up on especially that mortis thing as far as the connections mm -hmm. and everything maybe some extra things that yeah. i picked up on but great conversation dj thank you so much for being here again man and i can't wait until tuesday predictions baby let's man, go i can't let's even go. like i'm not even i don't know if i'm even ready to do predictions i know man I i'll know. tell you this i i've been generating a list of potential cameos for kenobi <laughs> oh which boy is what, here but, we go <laughs> but we we did this with book of boba fett and it ended up being so wrong so wrong, <laughs> so wrong. but, but I, i've i've learned my lesson and yeah. I've got my outlandish cameos and I've got my more, you know, okay. potential cameos. Maybe um, we should do it in those categories. Potentials outlandish. outlandish. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What if our what if our Mando talk ship is just called outlandish? I like it. Or the outlander. Isn't that That's a cool. thing? I don't know. Um, I know that in Phantom Menace, Watto at one point's and he's it's in the subtitles honestly yeah. i know that but he does refer Man. to qui-gon and, and and padme and jar jar as outlanders 
So, but I only know that because I mean, again, I've seen that movie a thousand times and I've read those subtitles a thousand times. So, yeah. to the point now that like I'm like, oh yeah, when it's on, I can like mimic Watto's voice a little bit. So there you go. Yeah, I can Who's do a Watto. <laughs> let me do a Watto impression. I can do a Watto. Do it. Let's hear it. He goes. He goes. Hey, what? <laughs> yeah, at one point, at one point, Qui Gon. He goes. I have a thousand Republic credits, and he goes. Hey, what? <laughs> Republic credits are no good out here. I need something more real. Like I just, Dude, that was great. I've been working on it for 23 <laughs> years, Caleb. <laughs> but I, I love Watto. He's he's a he's a good character. I wouldn't mind seeing Watto and Kenobi, but that's a more outlandish. Cameo. He's out there, isn't he? I mean, unless Darth Vader came back and said "screw you," and he just got... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> that would, would not be. Surprised. I would be okay with that. I think that would be really fun to see. What but... if we just see the when the Inquisitors are rolling through the streets of Tatooine? We see uh, we He's see just water flying on around, a... <laughs> and then just all of a sudden we see a red lightsaber, <laughs> <laughs> and it's <Splat>. like. <laughs> It's like Watto's dead. It just Look, it would be you, like if you want some more outlandish predictions like that, make sure you're here uh on our YouTube channel Tuesday at 6 p.m. Yes. Central. Oh I think I think it is exclusively live on YouTube, so make sure that you are there. Uh so that way we can just have fun together. We're gonna say outlandish things, we're gonna say crazy things, but it's it's exciting. I can't wait for it. We're officially there. Uh, at Kenobi, I can't. DJ's got the strobe green lights going on, man. It's a party. It's a party. But yeah, Tuesday, Kenobi predictions. Thursday, though, we're doing Star Wars Celebration Day One recap. Yes. Where it's, you know, after that live action panel that's kicking off Celebration. And then we got to do a special episode Friday evening because that's when we're going to do our Obi-Wan Kenobi episode one and two. You're going to get a lot of Mando talk next week. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. You got a lot of Mando talk this week. What are you, what are you saying? I mean, I'm I'm trying to think about how we can stretch this out nine more minutes to officially hit two hours for the first time. Have we, have we never, have you, you, before I was on, you never did a two hour stream. I don't know. I don't know if I have. You know what? That time we almost <laughs> did a stream with Zach Horvath when we ran down Disney oh, Gallery season two, episode two of, yeah. of, of, of Mando. That would have been two hours. It probably would have. I also, I think when Zach came on, and this was prior to you, DJ, mm-hmm. when Zach came on and we did a Rise of Skywalker spoiler discussion, we had to break it into two parts because I think it did hit two hours or more. But, but at both times? No, 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 no. We we sat down and spoiler discussed oh, it. I see. But we broke it into two different episodes. Yeah, I see. One hour and, that, and one hour. And now but there's anyway. another novel out there that just uh, Shadow of the Sith, I think it's called, yes. just released. And there's new information on uh, Ray's parentage. So yeah. uh, go check that out. On, uh, I know Star Wars Newsnet ran a thing on it, but a little last minute news piece. <laughs> yeah, there you but go. I, I was impressed by that. I thought that was neat. I'm going to read. That's the next novel I'm going to read. I think is that one. It's going to be good. There you go. I'm still uh, trying to get into the high Republic, but we'll see. We'll see. I've given up on the high Republic. Yeah. I think I, I I was just going to say a segue. I think I've given up on trying to get to two hours. I think we need to get out of here. (laughs) We probably do. Behind the scenes. I don't, I don't do the show at my home. I do it where I work uh, at my church. And and I texted my wife Mm -hmm. and I was like, Hey, we're still going, but I'm almost done. (laughs) You know, my stomach's been growling ever since you mentioned Taco Bell an hour and a half ago. So (laughs) you gotta, you gotta eat beforehand. That's a rookie move. dude. No, man. I I don't eat beforehand. 
I do. Yeah, we need to wrap this up. Wrap this up. <laughs> All right, anyway, guys, thank you so much. Watch Watto die. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for checking us out another week, especially on this extended version. Uh, can't wait to see you Tuesday for our predictions. I'll leave it at that. But make sure you follow us on socials at Mando Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Can't wait to uh, discuss with you there. And also check out our Discord. Link is in the description. We do a lot more as far as Discord goes once there's a show rolling. So make sure you're in there so we can have some just one-on-one spoiler talk. Can't wait to do that. But anyway, let's get out of here. I hope you have a blessed remainder of your week. Have a great weekend. This is the last weekend that you will ever live that does not have an Obi-Wan Kenobi show episode to watch in. So enjoy it while you can. Get some rest. And until next time, as always, we have spoken.